everybody. Welcome in to Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Casey Phillips here with Scott Smith. And uh, we are here, as always, to take your questions. So if you're not already over on Facebook watching this, make sure you head over there, find that comment section, and that's where you can leave any of your thoughts, comments, questions, all of that stuff. So as we give people a chance to start submitting some of those, uh, Scott, I just, I know that, you know, there's not a whole lot of um, news this time of year because of the fact that we're not getting to have the OTAs and minicamp, you know, what, what are some of the things that would normally be happening right about now? And then uh, what are some, anything, I know that we at least had at least a, the Rooney rule update. That's, a, that's about the only newsworthy uh, thing that has, has been able to happen uh, recently in terms of the league meeting. So tell us a little bit about the Rooney rule and then just overall what this time of year would, would normally be like. Yeah, I'll start with the second part there. We would be in the midst of OTAs right now, organized team activity days. We'd be in phase three of the off season. The first phase is, is basically just some, basically just workouts a little bit on the field, but only with strength coaches. And the second phase, you can, you can do stuff with uh, individual units, but you can't do receivers against defensive backs, that kind of thing. And then the third phase is very much like real practices, just with no pads or contact. And, uh, and there's just a certain amount of time that the players can be in the building during the day, you know, a certain number of hours. And you usually get 14 of those OTAs to spread out as you prefer. Usually you do three a week, three a week, maybe one or two weeks with four a week. And it all culminates in a um, three-day mandatory minicamp, which the Buccaneers usually do in mid-June just to cap the whole thing. And the other thing that would have already happened is we would have had a rookie minicamp too. And that's always a, an exciting time to see all those draft picks for the first time. And as I think we mentioned the other day, uh, one thing that's missing out this year specifically that I don't know how it's going to be replaced is that rookie minicamp where you have 25 to 30 un, uh, undrafted guys that, are, that don't have contracts but are there on tryout contracts. And every single year without fail, that produces two or three or four or five guys that get signed, like Adam Humphreys is the example we often use, Clifton Smith from a little farther back, guys that for some reason or another didn't even get signed right after the draft, but you're trying to fill out your mini camp, so you bring him in, and then you realize, hey, this guy is actually pretty good. He's, he, we like him a little more than this guy we signed right after the draft, and so you, you make some moves. But uh, obviously none of that is going to happen, it seems like, and, and we're all just crossing our fingers that we'll be in training camp. Um, as for the Rooney rule, I think so far the, the main thing that they've done is to remove the restrictions that allow a team to block uh, a candidate from uh, interviewing for a coordinator job. So if you have a guy who's your special teams coach or your running backs coach and some other team wants him to uh, interview for a coordinator job, you can say no, or at least you could have, and now you can't. So uh, that's just another opportunity. To, that's another avenue to try to give guys opportunities that they might not have been able to get yet. Some other aspects that they've been talking about, including some uh, draft pick compensation rules, that's been tabled for now. Um, I don't know how it's all going to shake out. Uh, you know, I've even seen Tony Dungy, who obviously this is a topic that's important to him. I've seen him talking about it, and he doesn't love every aspect of what he's seen proposed. But I think he says, and I would agree, the, the idea here, the concept of what they're trying to accomplish is good. They, are, they do not believe that uh, what we've, the league has done so far has done enough to give minority candidates opportunities. And that's all we're talking about here is trying to give everybody who's deserving an, an opportunity. And to me, that's a good goal to have. 
yeah, 1,000%. Um, all right, we can dive into some of these questions now. Uh, you know, I know that basically the Bucks' offense is what's gotten so much attention this offseason for very good reasons and understandable <laughs> reasons. Uh, but Daniel asked, can we talk about how good the defense will be this year? Well, we certainly hope so. They were very good down the stretch uh, in the second half. Obviously, the run defense was good the entire year. Ended up being the best in the league and uh, statistically the best run defense the Buccaneers have ever had. And you have virtually everybody back that was important to that. The only free agent that got away from the front was Carl Nassib. And, um, you know, I'm glad he's getting an opportunity in, in Las Vegas. But otherwise, that front is intact with Dominican Sue, a guy that I think is going to get a lot of attention now with more people looking at the Bucks. Vita Vea. Will Golston's a very good run stopper. Um, I, I don't see any reason. I mean, it's, it's a little aggressive to bet that the Bucks would once again have the best run defense in the league. But it should be good. The pass defense was not good at all early on, and that's not, in retrospect, all that surprising given how many young guys that were being mixed in there. And uh, they, they gelled. We got to talk to Sean Murphy Bunting last week. Uh, he was the guy that really came on at the end of the year as well as Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis, and uh, they really gelled down the stretch. And then you add Antoine Winfield Jr. to that mix, and he's the kind of all-over-the-field piece that I think Todd Bowles will enjoy employing in a lot of different ways a playmaker, a guy who finds the football. Um, you know, it, it certainly looks on paper like all the pieces are there for that defense to take that momentum they had at the, last, at the end of last year and, and really move forward. And, and honestly, that and, the, and re-signing all those guys is, I mean, that shows you that this team believes that that defense is good. That's why they went out and, and made the aggressive move with Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski because they feel like they have all the pieces in place to be a playoff contending team here. And the defense is a big part of that. Yeah, that's a great point. It was actually, the next question was going to be from Jerome. He asked, what role will Winfield Jr. play? Um, so, and then I saw that we'd also had a question about uh, Justin Evans and, and if we know his situation. So why don't we just kind of talk about maybe the, the safeties overall? Um, I know you talked a little bit about Winfield Jr. there, but that safety position and, um, if, you know, looking at who might be potential starters, backups, just what that position could look like. Is it a position of, strength now you know how, how confident do you think that this team is going to be and who they have back there well starting with Justin Evans this that's another thing that this unusual offseason is making uh, a more difficult topic to really answer very well uh, it's around this time where we'd be starting to get some answers on Justin and and how ready he is if he's already on the field at this point or if we're talking about training camp at this point and then you feel a little less confident obviously for the last two seasons the foot injuries have been an issue we saw before that, though, that there, there are glimmers there of a playmaker. He's a very talented and athletic guy. I, I wouldn't want to write him off yet, even though the Buccaneers in the two seasons that uh, Bruce Arians has been here in the two drafts have drafted a safety in the second and third rounds. Obviously, they felt that there was need for more there. And, and I, I just think you can't know if Justin Evans is going to be a part of this picture or not. If he's completely healthy, uh, I would expect him to come in and compete very hard to get his spot back because he looked at least in the first season and a half like he would become a long-term fixture at safety for the Bucks and a playmaking type of guy but we have to see on that one but having added uh, Winfield and you know we did also re-sign Andrew Adams earlier in the offseason and he started 11 games last year so you have Jordan Whitehead who started 14 games I think you have basically the two incumbents back but I don't think you draft Antoine Winfield in the middle of the second round if you don't think there's a very good chance that he's probably 
you, you want him to start. If not, at least he's playing a significant role. We tend to think of, okay, two safety spots, so there's only two guys that will get on the field, but that's not necessarily the case in today's NFL. A lot of teams employ three safeties in different ways, especially if they have a versatile guy, you know, like a Tyron Matthew or something like that. If they have a versatile guy that they feel comfortable maybe in the nickel or as a or as a nickel linebacker even, just a lot of different roles that a versatile guy can fill. You can end up at times with three safeties on the field in various sub packages. So, uh, you know, I would be lying if I told you I knew how that was all going to shake out. I just do think that they have, especially if Justin Evans is healthy, there's a lot of possibilities there. I don't, you know, I mean, there's, there's enough pieces there to make for a pretty exciting safety position. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's very true. I think that's going to be really an interesting battle to kind of see play out. And um, Michael asked, how much do you think Devin White um, improves as a leader this year? And then I, I'd just like to add on overall, how much you think that he could improve in general or, you know, just what his role will be now that he's not the rookie? Yeah, I don't know if you improve as a leader in his case. Uh, I think basically the, the, uh, the point is this is a very outgoing, outspoken guy, uh, very emotional, you know, very up, very energetic on the field. And he came in with the uh, reputation and the history of being a really good leader. I think he was a team captain as a sophomore at LSU. Uh, and so, but the point is, you, as a rookie, you don't just step right in and say, hey, Levante, move to the side. And Dominic Sue, hey, I got this. You don't just be the leader right away. But if you have those qualities and you're always on the field and you're a middle linebacker, so you're calling plays, uh, you're, you're going to be a leader. It's just going to develop. And I would suspect that that emerges this year. I mean, at this point, nobody's going to be looking at Devin going, hey, hey, Ricky, you know, zip it. You know, at this point, he probably feels like a leader already. And so he'll just naturally fit into that role. Uh, if there was a second part to that question, I don't I don't remember it. Yeah, just, I, well, I just wanted to hear how you feel like his what his role could be, even just outside of a leadership role of just his his role on the well, field and what we can expect from him just play-wise this year. Yeah, I mean, barring injury, which you would say about any player, he's going to be on the field virtually 100% of the snaps, him and Levante David. There's just no reason to take either one of them off the field. Uh, the thing that I think you could see develop in his game a little bit more is maybe some more uh, going after the quarterback. That's a, We saw that he has the cover abilities, that he can, you know, He's a tackler, can make plays all over the field, the rangy guy, finds the football, as you saw with his fumble recoveries, but uh, maybe a little more usage of him in, uh, in blitzing capacities. Okay. Um, we've got several people asked this, which I thought was interesting. Um, Ronnie uh, asked, and he's in Scotland watching, which is great. You're, you know, your native land, of course, Scotland. There's oh, my, my one death. Good one. Yep, yeah. thank you. I'll be here all week. Uh, he <laughs> said, what is the likelihood of getting Clay Matthews signed for a year following the recent rumors? So just, it's funny. We had three or four people I saw that asked about Clay Matthews. That's interesting. And, and actually, I, I, I like the question because I was looking at him uh, just the other day. Because this is the point where you start looking, and I also get mailbag questions about, are there any other free agents out there that the Buccaneers might go after now in this last period before training camp? And I, I understand connecting those dots completely because – um, if you look at a position that could use some help uh, in terms of experienced guys, outside linebacker is one of them. Uh, you know, you got, you're, you're absolutely thrilled with your duo of JPP and Shaq. But after that, you don't really have anybody with Carl Nassib no longer here that has much experience at all. It, it, there's, some, there's some interesting guys there, like Cousin Daniels and guys like that, and Anthony Nelson, who I'm betting they anticipate having a bigger role in his second season. Um, you know, he's kind of held back by injuries last year. 
but there's nobody really proven there. So it's an easy, it's an easy, you know, connecting the dots kind of thing. And, and Clay Matthews, he was released by the, the Rams. Um, and so you go, oh, they let him go. But he actually was pretty productive last year in, for the number of snaps that he had. I can't remember exactly, but I think he had about eight sacks. Uh, I, I can understand that. I think it all comes down to if you're going to add a guy, whether it be Clay Matthews or anybody else that's still out there, I think it comes down to, you know, how much does it cost? There's not a lot of cap space. As I've said before, I trust our guys to be able to create cap space if they need to, but you also have to sign all your draft picks. Um, I just don't think there's another big contract, really big contract out there that, that the Bucks are going to add. But if you can get a guy at a good rate uh, who can really help you in a, in a sub role, yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. Okay. <laughs> this, this is, I think it's Alexander or Alexandre. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, they're watching from Brazil and wanted to know when you guys are going to have a new Salty Dogs episode. Oh, I actually know who this is. I think, I don't know if his last name on there, but I think it's Nascimento, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, he, this, uh, I know who this fan is because he sent us Salty Dog questions in the past, and he's from Brazil. Um, so appreciate that. Uh, one, obviously a really big Bucks fan. Um, yeah, we've talked about it. I think we're going to do it soon. Uh, we have a guest that's agreed to do it. We just haven't... Uh, uh, hit upon a time yet but yeah we want to do that I mean might as well you know what else are we going to do yeah <laughs> only so many times a day I can walk my dog <laughs> your dog's exhausted at this point like please leave me alone he uh, literally has lost like 15 to 20 pounds <laughs> that's amazing um JR asked how much do you believe the improvements on offense will improve our defense well yeah I mean anytime that your offense is is better at, at two things that the Bucks would like to get better at not turning the ball over you know, your defense, our defense got put in a lot of really bad situations last year with the league high 41 giveaways. That obviously would make things much better for our defense if you cut that number, say, in half. Um, and then if the, if, the, if the offense is methodical and stays on the field a lot, um, that helps the defense. But that wasn't really a problem. Aside from the turnovers, we were able to move the ball last year. So I think basically just it's a matter of fewer giveaways. Okay. Dennis asked, do you think possible we move Tristan to left tackle at some point? Well, that's something that, that he has that adds to his value, that adds to the value of that draft pick, that he has that capability, depending on what happens down the road. I personally think the Buccaneers um, are locked in with Donovan Smith for at least this year and next year. That's what his contract covers. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes on beyond that. I, I sound like a broken record when this topic comes up. But uh, Bruce Arians said it again, uh, I think right after the draft, he likes our offensive linemen and he likes Donovan Smith. He thinks Donovan had his best year last year and that adding Tom Brady to the mix is just going to light even more of a fire under everybody, but him included to, you know, to take his game to even another level. Uh, you know, I think the Bucks really like the idea of Donovan Smith and Tristan Wirfs as their bookends. And, and nowadays, I mean, I know we're conditioned to believe that the left tackle position is way more important than the right tackle position, but, you know, it, if you look at the contracts that guys like Jack Conklin and Brian Balaga are getting, I think in terms of what the league and league decision makers think, there's been a narrowing of gap in the importance of those two positions. So um, we don't need to move Tristan Wirfs to the left side to make the 13th overall pick worthwhile picking him. But the fact that he could conceivably do that in the future, depending on what you do uh, with Donovan Smith or anybody else definitely adds value for him. And yeah, I think he could handle it for sure. 
And we'll close with this. Bernard asked, uh, who do you see as our second back, Vaughn or Dare? Oh, I would assume it's Vaughn. Yeah. Um, you know, Dare, Dare was your third down back last year. And a lot of that is because, you know, Dare's a guy that coaches love. He, he does thing, the little things right. He, he was good at pass protection. You know, there were times when Ronald Jones struggled a little bit in that. And that's why he wasn't all the time a three down back. But when we drafted Keyshawn, um, I think Jason Light, I think it was Jason, might have been Bruce, said, yeah, we, we want to see if he can um, be a three-down guy and, and maybe compete with Dari for that third-down role. I already think that Keyshawn would be the guy that you would spell Ronald Jones with, you know, the way Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber split carries last year. Now I think it would be Ronald and Keyshawn before it would be Ronald and Dari. Dari really only got 11 carries last year, and a lot of those were around the goal line when you were in, like, a hurry-up package. You know what I'm saying? So – uh, he, he wasn't really featured in the running game in, in any other way other than that. He, he caught 35 passes, but um, he wasn't really much featured in the running game. And I think they definitely expect Keyshawn to get a good chunk of the carry. So Keyshawn would be your second back, I'm sure. Okay. And then uh, I can just answer this. Nicholas asked, uh, Casey, when can you get the O-line and tight ends together for a group chat? Uh, I already did. So there's yeah. the, I love when I can answer it that way. So they're, <laughs> uh, they're up on the, the Bucks website. Uh, already now and on the app if you want to go look at that. So yeah, we've done specialists and tight ends and O-line and um, I'm trying to remember which ones have already aired. And we've already got a couple more that we've shot that just haven't aired yet. So uh, stay tuned for some more of those group chats for sure. So uh, thanks to all of you guys for being with us today. Thanks for all of those amazing questions. And Scott, thank you as always. And we will see you next time here on Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. <laughs>